great about the life of NC when it comes to legacy is Pastor Van and Jan, who were lead pastors here for 28 years, turned uh, the lead pastor role over to Jordan, Pastor Jordan, uh, to take on the mantle, if you would. And so we're excited about that. We, we have a, we're in transition. Uh, it's happened, but it's, it's exciting. How many of you are excited about what God's doing here at Northwood Church? When you put fresh blood in the game, something starts to happen. You know what I mean? And so we, we, we're honoring everything Pastor Van and Jan did for the last 28 years here. We're building upon that, and we're building for the future. And you say, well, we got to grow the church. Absolutely. Pastor Jordan is exciting about growing the church. And as a matter of fact, he grew the church by one member on Friday. He, him and his wife had a baby. <laughs> So we're excited about that. So if you guys are watching online, we love you. The, the, the great thing about our church is one of our core values is that we're generational, meaning we're building now upon the next generation. And so our goal is to grow old together and then die. Pretty cool vision, huh? Have some babies, babies become adolescents, then they hit the teenage years and you really gotta start praying hard, right? And then they become a young adult and then they're a middle age and then they kind of get up to the older age and then they get really old. And I uh, don't know what really old is, but when the hair starts falling out and changing colors and you have to get glasses, otherwise you never wore glasses, you're getting old. And the joints start hurting and, and things of this nature. And so that we're excited about that. We, we want that. We want people coming in on canes. Come on, somebody. And we want little kids running and hitting their heads on the wall. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what we are. We're a generational church. And uh, so we're building now for the next generation. And we're excited. So legacy is all about that. Legacy is about the next generation. Legacy is about leaving something behind and somebody picking something up and carrying on with it. And that was, that's what was happening in the life of a young guy named Solomon. His daddy was King David. And if you study the life of King David, you, you realize he had some ups and downs, but he reigned as a king for a while. And he, he was giving a final charge to his son, Solomon. And final charges are very, very important. Uh, if you ever get a final charge, I, I, I would suggest you write it down uh, because it's going to have some good words in it. And so he was telling David about several different things in this charge. As a matter of fact, last week we talked about obedience, worship, and serving. And this week we're going to pick right back up, hang out in First Chronicles chapter 28, starting in verse 9. And David saying, for the Lord sees every heart and he knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you'll find him, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. So David's looking at his son, and he's saying, hey, the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan. And I think the first thing he was really trying to get into his son's heart in this particular part of the charge was this thing called motives. Motives. Motives is a really, really big deal, right? M motives is what motivates us to do things. As a matter of fact, motives defined as something that causes a person to act in a certain way or do a certain thing or an incentive uh, attached to it. And I think it, this was such a monumental moment for King David because his motives were not always right as a king. 
I mean, he, he had a lot of ups and downs, and I'd encourage you to go study the life of King David, but he made some major mistakes. I mean, he committed adultery, he plotted for someone to get murdered, he lied, and because of those motives, there was death, there was division in his family for many, many years, and basically he's like, Solomon, you don't have to go that route. I want you to learn from the scars on my head. I want you to take some wisdom in, boy. You know, it's like grabbing you behind the the ears and say, listen to me. How many of you do that to your kids? Nobody raised their hand. Oh, we got one guy. He's like, they'll call it abuse nowadays. I still like it. Matter of fact, you can grab me by the ears as a man and shake me. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) get it together. (laughs) So I don't know what King David did back that long ago, but I would imagine me grabbed him by the ears and said, look at me, boy, <laughs> look at me and look at this scar. It doesn't look good, does it? You know, how many of you have parents in here who, who tells your kids, learn from my mistakes? And they said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And then they go do the same mistake. <laughs> I call that the law of human metrics. <laughs> but, so, but he's like, Solomon, I want you to get this thing. I want you to get it good. This is a generational blessing. And the cool thing about being generational, it's not always about age, right? It's not about just old and young merging together. The, a part of the generational blessing is the fact that you can pass down wisdom otherwise that wasn't there. So your kids should be smarter than you are. That's why I said, thank God. Thank God, really and truly, the the part of a generational blessing is the generation coming behind you should have one step up. They should be a little bit smarter and move a little bit faster. And that's such the, that's the privilege of being part of a generational church like Northwood. That's the privilege of being part of the legacy that God is doing here. I love to interview elderly people. I haven't done it in a while. I think I'm going to pick it back up again. But I used to interview people in their 70s and up and ask them some key components of some things that they would do different. In other words, what are your regrets? And if I can get those regrets and and, and let it permeate my heart, I'm going to change today. I'm going to change the very present that I am, so I'm not going to live with regrets. And I think that's what David was saying when it came to motives, when he was looking at Solomon and grabbing him by those ears, and he said, I've got some regrets here, boy. And you don't have to carry those regrets to the grave with you. I honored God, but I'm still going to the grave with some regrets. Even though he's good, you don't have to do that. Learn from me. And motives is a big, big deal. See, God knows everything about our ways. He really does. He knows everything about our ways. And he desires us to know everything about his ways. See, Solomon told David, if you seek him, you'll find him. If you find God, he'll begin to permeate your heart and change your character. See, questioning your motives is a positive thing. Asking the big famous question, why, is very, very positive. But questioning your motives is different than questioning your character. See, motives are always attached to a specific situation and or a, a project or, or a season. And typically it's short term. Some, some things are long term when it's played out. But character, however, character sticks with you for a lifetime. You'll possess it through every situation. 
And so you can have a temporary flawed motive, but still possess a solid character. And the goal is this, if you have a solid character like David, he had a solid character, meaning he continued seeking God. The Bible talks about that he was a man after God's own heart. And because of that, his character was being transformed. And when his character is transformed, it has the power to correct misplaced motives. So he was saying, hey, God sees everything, Solomon. He knows your motive. But then he says, I want you to seek him because he knows that he lived a life following after God. And when you seek God, your character is transformed so that when that flawed motive comes up, that flawed motive, the character transformation in Christ in you is the power to adjust that motive. And so we're going to have flawed motives. We're going to have temporary flawed uh, ideas at times. But the power of good character will serve as a corrective agent in our life for those misplaced motives. Now, great godly character only comes through knowing the Lord. I can have great human character, but God always takes it a step further And he looks on what's in the inside of a man and a woman. See, we see what's on the outside, but God sees what's on the inside. And he knows that secret part of our life. And so when we're seeking God, things change. When we're knowing the Lord and knowing his ways, our motives, our character is changed. Our behavior is changed. It's actually modified because our motives are changed. Change. If you think about behavior, I want you to picture an iceberg just for a moment, just peeking out of the water. And, and you're, not, you're not sure what's underneath that iceberg, but the peak of the iceberg is really like our behavior patterns, how we're operating in front of, in, in, on the earth at home, just everyday life. How we're operating is like the tip of the iceberg, but the iceberg itself is the motives the iceberg is the motive that, that actually changes our behavior. And so with that, we've got to realize that every area of our life is a presentation before the Lord. I love this statement because if we, if we think about every area, that means the minute details. That means when you're washing those dishes at 8.30 at night tired, it's a presentation before the Lord. And some of you said, well, they never got washed. <laughs> or, or you got to add extra hot water because it's been sitting there for three days. We got a problem. Houston, we have a problem. This is not a clean your house message. But at the end of the day, it's saying, God, everything I do is a presentation before you. That means God is interested in the minute details of your life. I think it's a great purifier of motives when, when, when whatever we do, whatever we're doing, we're saying, God, I'm presenting my product to you. It's a presentation to you. You know, when you go eat at a fine dining restaurant, presentation is everything. Right? They'll come out and they'll put the plate down right in front of you in a synchronized manner with everybody else. And, and, and they'll step back and then the chef will step forward and he'll begin to explain that course or that dish. And, and everything's spotless. The plate's spotless. You just wish there was some more food on it, but <laughs> the, the plate's spotless. And it's a presentation to the consumer. 
right? And God is consuming everything. Our life's like an offering to him and we're presenting it before the Lord. I think when we have that vantage point, when we have that mindset, things change in our life. We mow the grass different. Come on, somebody. You say, is that spiritual? Yes, it is. That's right. Because God is in me. God is in this earthen vessel made of dirt and water I call mud. Right? God inhabited this mud right here, this mud bank, right? And, 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 and in him I move and have my being. I'm a carrier of Christ, so everything I'm doing is spiritual and a presentation before the Lord. And it will purify my motives. Just like this church, every area of our church is a presentation before the Lord. God's not looking for perfection. We can't do it, but we work as hard as we can to present something to the Lord that's pleasing to him. Colossians chapter three, verse 23 kind of uh, entertains this thought a little further. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. So that means when you go to work on Monday, you're not working for the boss. Just don't let him in on that. You're working for the Lord. And if he says, man, your work's so phenomenal, what's your key? You say, it's, I'm working for the Lord. If your work is very pitiful, don't say anything about the Lord. <laughs> Keep him out of the equation. Just pretend like you're not a Christian. <laughs> Just wear a shirt that says I'm a poser. I think, this is me now, this is Casey's Bible, uh, Casey chapter one, verse one. <laughs> the, the Christian, to me, the, the person who has the spirit of God in them, I don't care what your intellect is, college degrees, you should have the strongest work ethic. You should have one of the most, look, at the job, if somebody's working, it's you. If, it, look, you should work so enthusiastically, even if you hate your job. Amen. Work enthusiastically during the day, go to school by night. Work enthusiastically during the day, get, get on uh, you know, jobrecruiter.com at night. It doesn't matter. Everything we do, we should, we should, look, our, our employers, if we're employee, if we're an employer, if we're an employee, we should, look, we should be the stars of the show. They should say, man, this, this person right here, man, this guy is working like a machine. Where does he get his power? What, what's motivating this guy? I mean, we're just, you know, digging a hole or we're just doing this. It's because I'm doing it for God. We should be stars. That's what I believe. I believe our work ethic should be off the charts for Jesus, period. That's not a popular message. Let's move on. <laughs> We'd rather serve Facebook in the corner while we're at work. I'm just having a good time today. <laughs> Some of this, this stuff didn't come out in the first service. There's something special about you guys. <laughs> I'm just picking. 
God saying, whatever you do, man, you're doing it for the glory of God rather than man. And that really, to me, that helps my motivation. Because if, if somebody on the job's a little crooked or the boss is not doing what I think he should do or I'm the employer and I have a problem with this individual or whatever, I'm still gonna work enthusiastically and give my best not to get back at somebody, but not for somebody to see me, but saying, God, look, I'm, I'm presenting it before you. It's a vantage point, ladies and gentlemen. It's an offering before the Lord. See, when you give a presentation, you prepare, you polish, you practice, you dress up, and that's the way our life should be. Now, I remember when I first uh, gave my life to the Lord, uh, I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Literally, that was my prayer. I was like, okay, if this thing is real, and I know it is, and what do you want me to do right now? He said, I want you to get a job here and uh, uh, start working during the day, and then at, at night, I want you to go to class. Every, every night, you're in class. You're in class every night, and uh, that's what I did, and I did it well, and, and, and basically, I was like, it's finished. I'm doing it, God. Now, what do you want me to do? And then he gave me another assignment, which was simply to start running, and I said, God, you want me to start running? Okay, so I did it well. I was running about five miles a day. Uh, good thing that was back then, because the Lord's not giving me that word anymore. But uh, so I started running, and, and so I ran about five miles a day. Had some running partners and, and and some guys I was running with continually and working out. And I said, God, what else do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to work on your sock drawer. He said, Your sock drawer? What's that have to do with anything? It's a big deal, folks. For me, the sock drawer is a big deal. All right. <laughs> And, and, I, and so I brought all my socks into premier order, right? Uh, Color-coordinated, athletics, dress, etc. I mean, it was done, you know. Uh, folded a certain way. One sock can't be inside out in the other. Now, that might not be the Lord for you, so don't worry. That was the Lord for me. And I presented my sock drawer to God and said, here it is, God. You're giving me a few socks. I'd like some more, but look at the ones you've given me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And, and then God gave me another assignment and another assignment. And everything that I've done, I've presented it before the Lord. And some of my presentations haven't been so good. How about you? Yep, I'm not perfect. And I've made many mistakes. And some of my presentations weren't that good. But you know what? I learned from that. I've got to decide the why before the what. If I decide why I'm doing something before I start doing it, things change. It, th it changes. See, one, one person said this. He said, people have two reasons for doing anything. A good reason and the real reason. You know, the good reason and the real reason. And, and the goal is to have those right and, and let them match. And, and the Lord is so great and gracious with us. <laughs> he really is. God is so gracious with us. He's long suffering. And though we make mistakes, he's still promoting us. And he's still in our corner, if you would. He, the Holy Spirit's our life coach. And, and, and that coach is there saying, you've got what it takes, even if your mind says you don't have what it takes. And though you made a mistake right there, I didn't leave you. I'm still for you. Get back up because you're going to accomplish the mission that I've called you to accomplish. God's on our side and God's in our corner. And that's, the, that's, that's a key component in our life because we got to realize our reward is the inheritance for serving Christ. That's our reward. That, that's the bonus, if you would. That's the big incentive that our reward is in heaven with Christ. And so we, that's how we work. See, the strong motivation to serve well and to work well is found in the future reward that Christ gives to us as an individual. It's an individual reward, and it's ours. See, normally when we think about 
getting rewards or gaining rewards, especially in the context of the church, we think about spiritual practices, right? How many chapters did I read in my Bible today? Or how, how, did I read my one-year Bible this year? Or how many hours did I clock in on prayer? But when we're reading this in Colossians, really Paul the Apostle is saying that, that everything you do in the honor of Christ will bring a reward, everything. And so that's why I don't want you to take your life and compartmentalize it. Like this is my church life and then, okay, now this is my home life and this is my occupation life. If we can just bring all that together and saying everything I do is a presentation before the Lord and it's spiritual and there's a reward for our efforts. Some people believe they're not really doing anything for God because they work a job that is not a church type job and that's a flawed perspective. Really, we come here on a Sunday morning and all we should be doing is picking up tools to go to work on Monday. The kingdom of God is outside of these walls. Christianity is displayed in the earth, not in a church service. And so realize that, that we're being equipped to go be the church. We're just having a good time getting together here on a Sunday morning. We call it church service here in America. But we're going out on Monday, we're going home, and we've gotta bring something with us, some tools. So everything we do will, will be a presentation before the Lord, and knowing that will purify our motives. First Peter chapter four, verse 11 says, if you have the gift of speaking, or do you have the gift of speaking, then speak though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Basically, whatever you're good at, just give it everything you've got. You say, I don't know what I'm good at. Start discovering what you're good at. Start, start maximizing your life. Too many people are diluted, and when we begin to focus in on what we're good at and do it well as unto the Lord, there's a great reward, and success follows that. Success follows that. So that's what we have to do. We have to maximize our life because it's on display before the Lord. So whatever it is you do, I, lo I love that. He just broadens that up. What whatever it is you do, do it and bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So as this raising kids, if you're a stay-at-home mom, do it, do it to the Lord. Look, you're, you're gonna get a lot more rewards from the Lord than your husband, ladies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you're, if you're in school, do it to the glory of God. Do the best. If, you, if, if a C is the best you got and you spent countless hours reading and studying and making note cards and hiring tutors or getting free tutoring, and I mean, grit, and you still got to see, you got to see. If you're not doing any of that, re-examine re your presentation. If, if, you, if you're an employee, do, give it everything you've got. So I don't really like my job, and I don't like the culture on my job, and I don't really like the industry, and I don't get paid enough. That's fine. While you're there, hit grand slams. And when you're at home at night, get on your knees and say, God, what's my next steps? Matter of fact, you should never have a bridge burned. Ever. You should be able to go back to every employer you've ever had. Now we're preaching to the church. Every employer you've ever had, and that employer should say, absolutely, I'll hire them in a second. You looking for a job? That's what you, every employer you should go back and they say, I wish I had that individual working for me. I understand they had to move on, but that guy, that gal had tenacity and work ethic and loved what they did while they were there. I believe it's maximizing our life. 
So motives is a big deal, right? I mean, David spent some time talking to Solomon about motives, using his life as a testimony. We don't read all that, but I'm sure he said, hey, Solomon, you know what happened to me. And he continued on with his charge, 1 Chronicles chapter 28. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and every thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you. So take this seriously, Solomon. I mean, that's a, he didn't leave him with a lot of options. I mean, his daddy said, you, you, better, you, better, you better serve the Lord or he's going to reject you. If you forsake him, he's going to reject you. You know how it is, parents, when you tell that kid, he said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> that's what he was saying right there. He was like, hey, look, dude, you better take this seriously. You got to take this serious. This is a big deal. Look, think about a CEO for a moment who has about 500 locations, right? And all of a sudden, he shows up at your location. Now, that's a big deal because the CEO has got 500 locations. You know, he's got executive staff. I mean, he's not at locations. But he shows up at your location, and you're like, man, the CEO's here. Hey, Bob, look for the cameras. This might be undercover boss. This is my time to get a raise. <laughs> you got a good, sad, sad story? Yeah. You've been working good? I don't know, but I, I want some money. <laughs> <laughs> and he visits your location and you know how it is when the CEO comes on the location everybody just snaps to attention man they run back to the kitchen they pass the word I mean communication travels fast when the CEO steps on the scene I mean look all the way from the front door to the back door they know he's there and they're cleaning and they're picking up and normally you know the worker comes into work and they don't do this but this day they pick up trash and they grin <laughs> And they put it in the garbage can. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everything changes about them because it's serious. Now, I want you to think for a moment th that Jesus visited earth. God himself came through Jesus Christ, and he visited earth. The CEO himself visited earth, and he interacted with humanity he made a way through the cross. And so if the CEO is here, right, we're snapped to attention because this is serious. It's kingdom-mindedness, right? It's the eternal thinking. What I love about God is he says what's done in secret will be brought to light. That can be good or that can be positive. I mean, negative. And so when I'm doing something where nobody's seeing it and putting in the effort is for the Lord to see. It's that, in, it's that ulterior motive that's very, very positive. It's saying, I'm kingdom-minded. I don't know how long I'm going to be on earth, but everything I do, I'm going to take serious. There's a big plane right there. I'm going to take serious. I'm going to take it serious. Uh, you know, I was reading Proverbs. It says that there's appointed a day for a man to die and then judgment. So I'm going to die one day and all of the presentations are going to be like a slideshow somehow, some way, I would imagine, before the Lord. And thank God that Jesus came on the scene because my slideshows were no good. Then he came on the scene, and guess what? Some of my slides still weren't good. But guess what? Jesus said he kept pressing on. He kept getting up. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he keeps getting up. He keeps going after me. And things change in our life. And you know what? God's entrusting us with this mission. The CEO is entrusting us with this mission. 
Verse 10, so take it seriously. You know, the ESV says, be careful with it. It says, be, be careful with what you're handling. Be very careful. The NIV says, consider this. Take thought, meditate about this. Consider it. The King James Version says, take heed. This is serious. I looked a little bit further into that word, take heed, and uh, one of the uh, definitions or translations was, advise yourself. <laughs> so we've got to advise ourselves. Advise yourself is a good, a lot of you want to be advisors in here. I know you do. So advise yourself. That's a good hashtag. That's what I tell them. Advise, look to your neighbor and say, advise yourself. <laughs> advise yourself, man. This is his mission. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, we've got to be sober minded. We've got to be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, sinking someone to devour he said, you got to be sober-minded. you got to take this serious. you got to be self-disciplined. you got to think rationally and not foolishly. you got to be circumspect. you got to be watchful, the scripture says. Be watchful. Be alert to spiritual pitfalls that are all over this life. There are spiritual pitfalls that is all around you, and you have to take certain steps, or you have to take the appropriate steps to make certain you don't stumble. And when you're sober-minded and when you're vigilant and when you advise yourself, you're able to see those pitfalls and go ahead and go right around those so that you're not going to stumble. But if you do stumble, there's grace. But we can live circumspectly. We can be vigilant to carry on the mission. We do have an adversary, everybody. We have an adversary. Satan is our avowed enemy. He is. He never ceases from being hostile toward us. He would love to derail us from the mission of Christ. He would love to derail the church from the mission of Christ. He would love to derail you from the mission of Christ and get you distracted in your job versus saying my job's a presentation for you. When you start thinking that way, doors will begin to open, divine appointments will begin to happen, and you'll see that you're gonna be able to have greater influence with people than you ever had before just because you're presenting what you're doing before the Lord. Even though we have an adversary, God is for us. Even though we have an adversary, nothing can stop us. Because greater is he that lives in me than him of the world. Jesus actually said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And that's me and you, not this building. This building could burn down. But me and you are the church. So the gates of hell, the assaults and the attacks of the enemy will not prevail against your life, period. It's not gonna happen when you remain faithful and stand firm in the faith. God's gonna keep lifting you up. He'll keep lifting you up because you're a person of victory in this spiritual war. You are. You're a person of victory. You believe that? You're a person of victory, not defeat. He continues this charge to Solomon. He's like, look, First Chronicles, he said, for the Lord sees every heart. He knows every plan and every thought. If you seek him, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. Take this seriously, Solomon, for the Lord has chosen you to build the temple as his sanctuary. You've been chosen. God actually chose you. As Look, handpicked, off the shelf of this world, you have been chosen. Say, nobody's ever chosen me. God chose you. Now, 
you know how it is, some of you who don't have any athletic skills, when you used to have PE in school, they don't do that anymore, do they? No PE. Too rough? <laughs> I'm just throwing some shots out there today, sorry. But you, you just never got picked, or you were the last one who got picked because you, everybody knew you were sorry. Everybody knew you were no good. <laughs> but God said, look, I'm not looking at that. God said, I'm picking you. I want you on my team. Yeah, it's great. I want you on my team. And I, and I love the, the guys and gals that God picks who is wanted on every team because they're just good. When God picks you, he said, I do want you on my team, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna sand you down real good. <laughs> God picks you. You're chosen. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, says that you're a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, God did not leave the kingdom building by chance or up to chance. He didn't. He chose you to be a part of it. He elected you even though you didn't run, even though you didn't put any signs out, even though you didn't talk to people in network, God elected you and shown you favor and now you are royalty. Now that's, that's a big deal right there. To know that I am royalty is massive. Look, I was once far off, but I've been brought near to the people of God and I've been grafted in as his own possession by Jesus. I've been grafted into the vine. I'm now a branch. I'm now royalty. And when you understand that spiritual truth through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a new surge of power and confidence will come into your life. And you'll look at life from a whole different perspective. And you'll begin to take ground in your personal life and live with victory, realizing that I'm royalty and all of his promises are yes and amen. And the inheritance of the saints belongs to me. And God's hand of favor is upon me. And so what I do will be fruitful and it will multiply because God is breathing on it. Because I'm royalty. I'm a co-laborer with Christ. We're talking about the invisible God who created the, the heavens and the earth. Tapping into that changes everything. And as a result of being chosen by God, we can actually show others the goodness of God. That's the calling. So we've been chosen. We've been grafted in. And now because of that, we can be light in a dark place. We, we can be a city on a hilltop. We can have influence all of this equates to influence for the king and showing people the goodness of God. You know, one way we do it as a church, we do serve groups. We do all kind of practical things, but what we do actually shows people the goodness of God. We captured one of those stories. Let's show that. Honestly, I was in a dark place in my life. I did 15 years in prison. When I was 17 years old, I left um, young and stupid, just doing a lot of crazy stuff, you know, caught a couple charges, aggravated assault, armed robbery, went up to prison for 15 years, got out when I was 32, um, tried to restart my life, rebuild my life. 
Well, I got to a dark place within my family, personal relationships, and I ended up being at a casino, and uh, people I was with left me. My ride left me. When the process of that, they were following me security to make sure I got off the grounds. The cops got called, and I ended up running through the woods um, and climbing into a tree. I blacked out, and when I woke up, I was free falling. I stayed there two days, paralyzed with three fractures in my back, so I literally had to dig into the roots and pull myself on my side to where I get my breath and holler for help, and about 30 minutes later, fire had come out there with flashlights and found me in the woods. So we were approached by uh, some members attending Northwood and told that their brother, uh, Michael, needed a wheelchair ramp built. So we were able to go out there, we met with Michael, we were able to construct the ramp, we were able to pray with Michael and just visit with him. And uh, that's, that's just part of what we do is an outreach to individuals in the community that are in need. While we were on site and had the opportunity to speak with Michael and uh, talk a little bit about his testimony, it was really great to see how God used that to change his views on life in general, uh, but also relationships with his family, how God used those circumstances to actually build those relationships and also change his heart. Uh, to look towards Jesus. And so it was really a great opportunity to see that testimony in Michael, uh, that even through these horrible circumstances, uh, there was some redemption through Christ in that. It's been, it's just been a headache all the way around, being a new experience, being paralyzed, trying to adapt to a new lifestyle, basically. But because of the fact that it's in a trailer, you know, it's hard for me get in and out because the corner is so small and the area that I'm living in back there, it's not made for a wheelchair. For people to step up like that, it shows not only that there's still goodness out there in the heart, but it also means a lot to me as a man for a person to reach out, especially to a complete stranger, someone they don't know, and take time to show, hey, you know, we care. And it's a thousand gratitude thanks to everybody, you know what I mean, that's helping me. Uh, God knows, God bless y'all, and I appreciate it from the bottom of my soul, man. Yeah. Just one practical example, and you can do that as individuals. You can be a part also of serve groups and small groups. Actually, sign up starts today. You go to our website, northwood.tv slash small groups. Get into one. But the key is that God has chosen us, and now we're responsible to showing the world the goodness of God. And that comes in many, many different venues. See, we have a legacy as a church, and you have a legacy as an individual. And I believe that God will merge those two together, his body, the church, inside of the individual legacy that you carry. Your life is a legacy, everybody. And the thing about legacy is a lot of times we feel like the, the surmountable amount of mistakes that we made or think we've made will actually destroy our legacy. But that's not true. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. It doesn't matter where you are on your timeline. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter where you're at on your timeline. Today, you gotta lean forward and press forward into legacy. And that's what we're doing as, as a church here, Northwood Church, as we go into 2018 with the transition and just the new 
season that we're in. We're going to lean into that. And I want to encourage you to lean into legacy for your life, for your family, no matter where you're at. One key that I always do is I forget those things which lie behind me. They're done, but I press forward to the goal that's ahead of me. And I run with endurance now, knowing that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And so are you. So what I want to do, I want to pray for you right now on this thing called legacy. So Father, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for this new season, God, that you have us in. God, I thank you for the people that are in this room today. God, I thank you for the people who are watching online. God, we want to thank you for, for, for what you're doing here. And God, I'm praying for every person right now that they would begin to lean into legacy and hear the voice of God, just like Solomon was hearing the charge from his father, David. And God, I pray that we would take those attributes, God, that we would take the gravity of legacy. God, I pray that you deposit the, the weight of the mission we're a part of inside of us as individuals. And God, I pray that you'd start speaking to every person here. God, when they go home and when they go to work on Monday, God, that they would have a brand new perspective. God, that, that would just be spiritual perspectives. God, that, that it would be higher than the human plane. God, that it would say, hey, I'm waking up today. I got one day at a time. I can only live one day at a time. And I'm gonna take this day and I'm gonna give it to the Lord. And I'm going to work vigorously as if, as if I'm working for the Lord, no matter what my occupation is, no matter what I'm doing. God, I'm praying that that gravity, knowing that we are a presentation before God, would be deposited into me, into us, into this church, God, so that we can accomplish your will. He has a mission for you. Some of you are in the room right now and you say, I wanna be a part of the legacy that God has. God has a legacy for each and every one of us and I wanna be a part of God's legacy. And it starts with a relationship with Jesus. It starts with identifying yourself, saying, I need Christ in my life. I need Jesus. I'm not playing church. I need a relationship with Jesus. I wanna be a part of the legacy of the cross where my sins are forgiven and I'm washed clean and a new life begins and I'm heading towards eternity. If you wanna be a part of that legacy, I'm gonna pray a small, simple prayer. And if God is speaking to you right now and you say, that's me, I wanna be a part of the legacy of the cross. I need a real relationship with Jesus. I want you to just lift your hand and put it right back down and say, that's me, I wanna be a part, God. See your hand, sir, yeah. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. I see it. Hands going up. God knows where you're at. God knows exactly where you're at. He sees everything. He says, I'm calling you out of darkness. I'm calling you into my light. I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to, I'm going to put purpose in you. Anybody else say, that's me. I need Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer together. I want you to just agree in your heart. You're raising your hand. God's already dealing with you. You're already saying, yes, God. And I'm just going to try to put some words to it. Father, I surrender. That's what you're telling God. I surrender to you right now, God, as I am, right? The good, bad, and ugly. Here's my life, God. 
Lord, I pray that you forgive me, God, that you, you would cleanse me. Lord, that you would, Holy Spirit, that you'd come live inside of me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me as an individual, God. My life is yours. I, I'm gonna be a part of the legacy of eternity with Jesus. So I wanna thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, we love you. Let's give it up, church. Real, real good. Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church wanna help people know God, and our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we wanna help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.